Every market was impacted differently when the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic shut down the sports calendar. In Kansas City, Major League Baseball was about two weeks away from opening day. The Big 12 and NCAA tournaments were canceled after college basketball teams got in a full regular season. Hey, we got to experience a Super Bowl championship and parade in Kansas City with the Chiefs. But what about soccer? MLS teams had gone through training camp and opened the regular season. Every team had played two games and none looked better than Sporting Kansas City. They'd won both and owned the largest goal differential in the MLS. And that's where things stand a month later. It's Friday, April 10th. This is Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and the topic today is the future, present, and past of Sporting KC. I talk with Sean Goodwin, who covers the team for the Star, and about Sporting KC's great start and the roles newcomers have played. After a break, you'll hear from sporting veteran defender and Kansas City and Matt Beasler, who conducted a conference call with reporters on Thursday. I thought it was interesting what Beasler had to say about how what he and the team are doing and how he views a possible restart to the season. Finally, we're going to play some audio from the franchise's two MLS championships. Why not listen to some highlights of Sporting KC's and the Wizards' great moments while passing the time? So here we go. We're getting started with Sean Goodwin. Okay, Sean, uh, you know, you and I haven't talked since the beginning of the uh, the MLS season, mm-hmm. and Sporting Sporting was off to a fantastic start. 2-0, one mm-hmm. of four teams in MLS that was off to a 2-0 and start. Everybody's played two games, and uh, and Sporting had the best goal differential of those four teams. And then, of course, the uh, COVID-19 hit. Nobody's been doing anything now for about a month. But what a, what a shame for Sporting to, uh, to have its season suspended when it did – what was going on with with them? The the, the victories over Vancouver and Houston. What? Uh, why were they playing so well? Yeah, I mean it's a huge shame just because, especially after last season, to come out so strong this year and say, "Hey, we're here to mean business." Um, the two wings, Vancouver and Houston. I, I won't say take them with a grain of salt because they were great wings, but they're definitely two teams expected to be at the lower ends of the table this year. But nonetheless, uh, the Vancouver game on the road, great win, and then you come to Children's Mercy Park in Houston, and you beat them 4 0. Yes, Houston, they have Tab Ramos, new head coach, and you know they're kind of in a rebuilding phase. But even then, I mean, with Alan Polito and, you know, Gaddy King, they got two new guys, Kyrie Shelton, even, they've looked really good going forward. So it's a shame you kind of came to a halt so early in the season. Yeah, those newcomers—they're—they're they're scoring. I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're not just there. They—they've contributed uh, goals and uh, playing really well. I mean, taking the, uh, if there was a theme to those first two games, that was the—it was the newcomers. Yeah, and um, I'm not completely surprised, but especially how quick it's happened. Perhaps I mean, Alan Polito. I still think he's a guy who the wing is going to play off of. But I didn't expect him to be banging in the goals as quick as he has. And then right behind Gaddy Keenzer too. Because in preseason, you could kind of tell they were still figuring out how to work with one another. Sometimes they'd kind of go into the same space and they get a little congested. So for them to come out into league playing, to be playing so well together and scoring goals, uh, it was hugely promising for sporting before this break. Or last for who knows how long. 
Right. Well, let's let's talk about that. We we just got off the phone with Matt Beasler, and we'll play his his interview uh, question and answer session with reporters in its entirety after we finish talking and after a break. But you know, Matt was asked about that and about how to stay sharp in um, in, in during this shutdown period. I got to think. You know, there's a for soccer players staying in shape is a whole different thing than for maybe players of athletes in other professional sports. And so much of their, their training is their, uh, you know, ability, their stamina, right? I mm-hmm. mean, how many, how many miles do they run every game? And so what, what did we learn about Matt and his teammates in this time of, of, um, you know, of a shutdown? How, how are they, how are they staying in shape? You know, they have seemed to moved away from the whole idea of staying match fit and just staying fit at this point, kind of what you'd see in the off-season. Because I think they've realised we're not going to be playing anytime soon. I'm not going to be you know, running seven, eight miles a day at high intensity just because you know you can't keep that up for the whole pre-season plus the, or the whole break. Plus, you know, once they get back into play, so... Yeah, he mentioned uh, bees like that. They're gonna be being on Zoom. They've been doing you know yoga and kind of team fitness sessions and stuff. But I mean, I play soccer myself, and I coach soccer to young kids, and it's not the same as you know MLS guys. But we've been doing practices over Zoom, and I know just how hard it is to actually do stuff. For players when they're by themselves over a webcam it's there's no competitive value there's no you know teamwork it's tough so i can't imagine what these professional athletes are going through being stuck alone for such a prolonged period of time yeah matt was saying that look in other sports basketball for instance you can go out and shoot there are things you can do on your own that uh, you know that, that are that contribute to you know you, you know staying sharp, but soccer is a little bit different in that respect. You you really do need teammates out there on a on a field to you know to get anything done really from a from a workout standpoint, and that's mm-hmm. just not available to to him or his sporting teammates. He also said that, and I, did, I didn't realize this that everybody because the season had started, everybody's in town except for. Uh, Busio, who went back to North Carolina, I guess, to be to be with his family, seventeen year old uh, Busio. So, um, but I don't. The only advantage I would think, just to, for everybody being here, is if when when this ends, they can get going back. They can get back going on a moment's notice. Yeah, um, and I'm sure it's hard to not get together even now. And it was something that Pisa said last week. How it's one, they want the players to be sensible. But even if they were to just, you know, go out in public to try and you know, an empty field and train by himself or, you know, maybe with another player, but sports in KC is a big deal in Kansas City. You know, people try to be sensible, but if these players are sore in public, you know, who knows, people might want to come up and take photos and, <laughs> you know, get autographs. And it's just, it's not safe for the players. And we all know that. This virus can, you know, it doesn't discriminate. It can make athletes sick. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's tough for these guys to all be here and, you know, be a 
gay living downtown KC and gay don't have backyards. They should just be cooped up. Yeah. And I noticed um, they, a lot of them have taken to social media. There's a, a few on Twitter and, and Instagram with some, you know, what they're doing at home and how they're trying to pass the time and stay, stay in shape that have been pretty entertaining. And sporting has been doing a good job of pushing out some of those uh, images as well. One of the things that Peter Vermees said last week, and, um, and 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 it was suggested today on the call with with Matt is, if and when the you know, we'll just say when the season resumes, you're looking at a um, an abbreviated season in terms of just time wise and time space. So you know, it, it would not be unusual to see a season where two games are played with only a couple of days, three days maybe off in between. So maybe a uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. March of a schedule. And look, that's um, that's asking a lot from any soccer player, especially professional players. How, how would it, if it comes to that, how, how can a team manage that sort of schedule? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, something that Peter mentioned last week as well. And I mean, we saw at the start of last season when Sporting was in the Champions League and they were playing... You know, they had a starting a season earlier, and you were playing MLS on the weekends, traveling to, you know, Mexico or, you know, the Bahamas for games in midweek, basically, for these Champions League games. And we saw the Tolik talk early season, and Sporting never really recovered. Now, if that's league wide, you know, different story, everyone's on a level playing field. But then we're just going to see all these teams absolutely shattered by the end of the season. Um, so yeah, I, Max said it today. Teams are really going to have to use their full squad's depth. Sporting is lucky to have SKC two. Uh, they can you know delve into that pool if need be. And I think the one saving grace is with the uh, the short and postseason, which started last year. Uh, MLS now does have a, a month buffer at the end of the season. We could see. The season still stretched out a little bit, and we have MLS Cup back in December. So there's a few options, and it all depends, obviously, on how long this lasts. But it will be tough on the legs regardless. For sure. Okay, Sean Goodwin covers Sporting Kansas City for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com. Sean, thanks for taking some time and talking to us today. Yes, sir. Thank you. Matt Beasler has won about every individual award in his 12-year MLS career. He's the club record holder in games and minutes played. He's been part of the U.S. men's national team, appearing in the 2014 World Cup. Matt spoke with reporters about how he and teammates are handling the downtime. Hey, before we get started, a word about the quality of the audio. It's not good. There are squeaks and wobbles and other strange noises. Look, nobody's fault. There were many people on the call using all types of recording devices, and sometimes this happens. But we thought, Matt, what he had to say was interesting and important enough to include the interview, even with the technical difficulties. So here's Matt, who starts by responding to a question about the challenge of staying in shape and keeping he and his teammates on the same page. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I, I would say the biggest challenge for us is finding some sort of routine. You know, we're we're habit based athletes and, and creatures and you know, we, we thrive in that environment where, where we have some sort of competitive routine and that's thrown out the window right now. There's 
there's not a whole lot of routines anywhere, you know, with, with family, with, with the team, um, with, with your daily life meals. I mean, everything is just kind of, kind of crazy right now. So that's really the hardest part of, you know, not only finding the time and the motivation to, to stay fit, but to be able to do it on a consistent basis. Um, whereas, you know, when you're in season, everything's sort of happening at the same time, um, each day, you know, you come in in the mornings and, you know, you just, you have your routines where you, you warm up and stretch and, um, afterwards you do your recovery routines and all those things. And, um, you know, we don't really have access to, to any uh, of that stuff. So we kind of have to find our own routines and, um, I would say the other challenge too is, is just trying to get everybody on the same page um, from a communication standpoint because we're all from different parts of the country and different parts of the world and you know we all kind of are experiencing this in a different way and you, know, you have guys like Gadi Kinda who um, actually with his religion um, he actually has to limit his uh, his use of technology from sun up to sundown. So it's really hard to communicate and, and actually just contact him because a lot of the times, you know, during the day he's, he's, he's observing some of you know his religious beliefs and his religious laws that they go by. So, yeah, I mean, just little things like that, just, you know, cultural stuff that you have to deal with. But um, it just makes it a lot harder when you're not able to see people face-to-face. Hey, quick question. With um, Major League Baseball trying to, you know, propose sending all the teams to Arizona, I think NHL trying to go to North Dakota, NBA looking at Vegas, would you be in favor of the MLS potentially trying to send all their teams to one specific location in order to try to get back on the field as quick as possible? Or are you just completely against that, against those type of proposals? Uh, at this point, I'd be open to pretty much anything, at least looking into it and discussing it. Um, I, I don't know if it would make a whole lot of sense for, for soccer to, to do what baseball is, is looking at. I just, I don't know if it could work like that, but I mean, I don't know. I think most of the players right now are, are anxious to get back out on the field. And so, I mean, any way possible for us to start playing games sooner, um, you know, we would be open to the possibility, but um, we're, we're just like everyone else, really. I mean, we, we're we sitting back and we're seeing some of these news stories come out and um, we're following other leagues and kind of seeing what they're announcing. And, you know, we saw the other day that a couple professional soccer teams in Germany have resumed some smaller trainings and individual trainings. And so that was a, a positive sign to see, but yeah, I mean, we, we really haven't heard a whole lot. Hey Matt, it's uh, Blair Kirkhoff at the star. Hey, how about taking us through a, what's been you know, a typical day for you? Um, when, when do you get training in and how do you do it? And I know you've touched on a couple of those things already, but how about just walking us through a, a, a day in, um, confinement here. Uh-huh. So we, we do team zoom, uh, trainings three times a week and there's three different groups. So we have roughly 30 guys on our roster. And so we split up into three groups. So you got around, you know, eight to 10 guys in each workout. 
And so that's three times a week. So my group, um, I'm in the first group, and um, those trainings are at 1030. So three times a week, um, I, I, I train um, in my basement at 1030 in the morning. And then the other two days, you're on your own. And, you know, you can get that done whenever you want. But typical day for me is uh, wake up with, with, our, with our kids. Um, we, have, we have two young daughters. And, you know, spend about an hour with them getting breakfast ready and kind of starting the day. And then I'll try and break off myself um, if I can and get my workout in. Usually it, it, it takes, you know, an hour to two hours um, at, at the most. And, um, and then, you know, I'm back with my family, uh, for lunchtime, try and put the kids down. And then, you know, you have that hour or two where, uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff online right now with, um, media and, you know, there's a bunch of videos that, you know, we're trying to push out to try and keep everyone involved. Um, there's also a lot of player union stuff, uh, that's coming out. And so, just trying to stay up to date with that so I can inform, you know, the rest of the guys on the team. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the afternoon is pretty much family time. We're trying to go outside as much as possible, just get some fresh air and, um, have dinner and you no, know, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd add anything else into kind of what a daily routine looks like. Um, I, I have been, interacting with with the coaching staff a lot uh, i think peter's done a, a really good job of staying in touch with with most everyone um i know that he's called everybody on the team you know a couple times but i probably talk to peter uh, every couple days um, sometimes uh we're exchanging information um just you know with the latest updates that we've heard um other times you know it's a, it's a quick phone call basically just to check in and and make sure everyone's doing all right and just checking in on the family. So the, the communication uh, has, has been good. Matt, it's Breland from KCTV5. Um, my question is kind of how are you handling this mentally? This has to be mentally taxing for you, especially when, you know, the momentum was there. You guys were playing and then automatically just nothing. That has to be mentally taxing for you to now kind of be in this weird limbo area. Yeah, I mean, I think at first it was. Uh, when all this started happening, there was definitely a, a sense of frustration um, just because, you know, we had built such momentum and we put a lot of work into our preseason. Um, and so, you know, just to have something like like this that's just completely out of your control, um, you know, it is, it is a bit frustrating, but... Uh, you know, I think, I don't know, me personally, I'm, I'm kind of past all that now. I mean, I think we're, we're much farther along than, than we were at the beginning. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm mentally frustrated anymore. I mean, it's pretty much, there's nothing we can really do about it. So, um, you know, I think at first you were, you were adamant about really trying to like stay in shape, um, game shape as best as you could. Um, but now it's, it's been so long that, um, we're going to have to have some sort of, of period, uh, where we, you know, get back into training and we have, you know, at least a couple weeks, you know, three to four weeks of another preseason. So I don't know. I mean, I mentally, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that I've like dropped off at all, but, um, 
I don't know. There's just there's not there's not a whole lot we can do anymore. Um, so we just kind of have to wait it out and just try and stay positive and just be patient. I know it's that's a lot easier said than done at this point. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So we've heard about the present and possible future of Sporting KC in Major League Soccer. Let's visit the past. The organization has won two MLS Cups, and we're going to play audio from both. The first came in 2000 when the then Kansas City Wizards defeated the Chicago Fire 1-0 in Washington, D.C., the star of that game and that season was goalkeeper Tony Miola. You'll hear him interviewed along with the two-time MLS MVP Precky. And the last voice you'll hear is that of Wizards defender who helped author the shutout, Peter Vermees, now the Sporting KC coach. After the 2000 review, which is played in something of a documentary format, we'll fast forward to the 2013 MLS final and the thrilling shootout with Real Salt Lake. We'll run ESPN's edited audio of every shot in that shootout. You'll hear the goals made and missed and the excellent play of Jimmy Nielsen, the goalkeeper. But first, here's how the 2000 MLS Cup final sounded. Kansas City was widely considered to have the best defense in MLS. However, the analysts and sports critics were overwhelmingly predicting that the Chicago Fire, with the league's best offense, would emerge victorious. I always prefer to be underdog because... Uh, Everybody's going to be focusing on them. Everybody thinks they're going to win against us easily. We're here to prove them wrong, and I like the way we are. Today is just about us. We're the only guys that can do something about today, and we're going to reap all the benefits of today. Let's make sure that we take advantage of this opportunity. You guys know what it means. One, two, three. The Kansas City Wizards will have the kick to begin this game. The Wizards won the Supporters' Shield. We have 90 minutes to get the job done and just give everything you got. Kansas City goalkeeper Tony Miola was focused and confident. Miola was coming off a stellar 2000 season. He had recently been awarded the multiple honors of MLS Goalkeeper of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and League MVP. When you go up against a team like Chicago, the highest scoring team in our in our league, uh, you have to be ready to do some work. Plays it short, Armas Katiyan up the drive, deflected inside the In both the regular season and playoffs, Kansas City had proven that they were almost impossible to beat in matches in which they had scored first. The Wizards believed that the side that scored first would take the day. If we score first, I think being in the driver's seat because all year long when we score, I think we have pretty tough to break down. In the 11th minute, Kansas City's strategy would begin to fall into place. Chris Klein made a strong solo run down the right flank. His cross would set up Dutch Dynamo Mikolos Molnar in the box. He scores! Mikolos Molnar! 
play, and Klein makes it happen for the Wizards, who strike in the 11th minute. The Wizards have made their stand and successfully held off the relentless Chicago offense. Paul Tamarino ends it! The Wizards, last in the West, have won it all! The underdog Kansas City Wizards had come together, defeated Chicago, and claim their first MLS title. 20 to 6, the final shots, but 1-0, the final score. Tony Miola's shutout had earned him the game MVP title and capped off an amazing season. After the game, Mikolos Molnar and Mo Johnston would announce their retirements. But for Kansas City, the celebration was just beginning. That was the 2000 MLS Cup. Here's ESPN's call of the long shootout that gave Sporting Kansas City the 2013 championship. It's Biela against Romando. And Biela definitively rifles it into the back of the net. First blood, Kansas City. He's taken for RSL. This is Sabarillo against Nielsen, and he's missed! Nielsen didn't need to save it. Sabarillo putting it too high. Advantage, Kansas City. Nagamura. Sending Romano the wrong way. And sending Sporting Kansas City two goals to the good. Desperately needs to score here to keep RSL in touch. Ramamore. It's saved by Nielsen. Kansas City edging closer. He's hitting it. He's last, saved by Romando. Hope still for RSL. Now, Kyle Beckerman can give RSL some real hope. If he's successful, and he is. Pretty much went down the middle. Jimmy Nielsen away to his left. Harbour versus Romando. Jackpot for Benny Failharbour. High down the middle. And enough to beat Romando. An angled approach. Plata! Wow. With some aplomb, too, into the roof of the nets. Can he deliver from 12 yards and deliver a trophy for Sporting Kansas City? He can't! Would you believe it? He's put it over the top. It was there for the taking. Morales to keep RSL in contention. Little stutter step. How cool was that? Sinovic left-footed against Romando. Sinovic! Sweet indeed for the Cauldron. Sending Romando the wrong way. Grishula gets Nielsen! And this penalty kick shootout continues on. RSL. Sapong. And again. Cool as you like. Some exquisite penalty taking and sudden death. Oh, and he put it in off the post. The narrowest of margins. Olam for Kansas City. Oh, he's missed. Despair for Lawrence Olam. Delight for the traveling RSL fans who now have a chance. Christ, could be a hero. And he delivered the trophy for RSL. No, he can't. Jimmy Nielsen to the 
you. Now it's Chance Myers. And against Nick Raimondo. Myers! Sending Raimondo the wrong way, the two UCLA products. Also trying to make himself as large as possible in goal. For Chance! Right down the middle. And on we go. Romando. Colin has done so. What a penalty. Lavelle Palmer to keep RSL alive. To deny Kansas City one more time. Can he do it? Palmer! He has it! And the trophy belongs to Kansas City! That'll do it for today and this week. Thanks so much for listening. And a big thanks to our production crew of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Randy was the lead surgeon who stitched together today's show. Thanks a lot, Randy. And a cap tip to Sean Goodwin for providing his Sporting KC expertise. Hey, you've heard me say it all week, and I can't emphasize it enough. A subscription to the Kansas City Star's digital product is a win-win. You get the region's most complete coverage in news and sports, and we get your support. So there's the Sports Pass that I mentioned earlier, and then there's the digital subscription to all the Star has to offer by accessing account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That subscription gives you access to another sports podcast, Mellinger Minutes for the Ears. It's great stuff. It's one of my go-tos during a walk. Sam, our columnist, Sam Mellinger, has some great guests, and he answers audio questions from readers. I highly recommend Mellinger Minutes for the Ears. We'll be back next week for more episodes of Sports BKC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.